Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Number four out of eight, we are going to reach the halfway point at the end of this broadcast, which means we are home. We are another week closer almost here to the official start of the regular season. I am enjoying these previews from a content generation standpoint a hell of a lot. Uh, this is fun to record these. It's fun to talk about these division previews. The, they have turned out well. We have gotten outstanding feedback. Um, we'll start re-promoting some of the ones in case you missed. Uh, we've got what, what have we what have we done so far, Andy? Can you recap recap for me? The AFC South, where we Nothing, said nothing's changed. No there. way, nothing, <laughs> nothing bad could happen to Andrew Luck, and everything will be fine. And then we then we moved to the NFC West, where we said, boy, if the 49ers can avoid any injuries this year, I think they're frisky, and nothing nothing bad has happened to them yet. And then we moved to the AFC East. Where we, I mean, it, it hasn't been long enough for something to go haywire there yet. But we did, and we did posit that at the very beginning of the very first one, I think. We said it at one point during the early one. We said, these will probably get sharper as we go, not only because we get used to them, but because we're doing some of these in early August where we have little to no information about how training camp and preseason goes. You know, there's going to be a lot of takes on some of those early ones that obviously will be out of date almost instantly as injuries and other things occur. I mean, there's still... There's still Jadavian Clowney could get traded at some point yet. We've already yes. touched on the Texans. Could get. I think uh, we're we haven't done the. We, have, we, we have no I idea. Think we are expecting. Yeah. yeah. No idea. Where I mean, we haven't done the NFC NFC East yet, but uh, the whole Trent Williams saga. I mean, there, there's a few things that are definitely in flux, including some some injuries from last year, some holdouts. We've got a running back down in Texas. We don't know quite what to do with uh, Cooper. There's some question marks around that. So, as we get to some of those, we'll get to some of that. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been a ton of fun, and yeah, this is four of eight, and it's been good too, just for the amount of research that we're doing, just reading some of these previews from other people and doing some research and looking at all the transactions and changes from the preseason or since the past season. It's been great just for getting ourselves ready. I'm sure. Yeah, and it's been fascinating because kind of good news and bad news tends to come in bunches for some of these teams, and you kind of get a momentum really going public opinion-wise, and you start to see it an influence in the uh, in the prices for win totals and Marcus, things like that. Yeah. It's it's pretty fascinating to see it all play out. Uh, good examples will be had of our discussion tonight as we hit the NFC North. This is your division, buddy. NFC North is very, very tough to land on a winner. Maybe the most tough. Would you say that that is an accurate statement? Yeah, I mean, before doing any research, just knowing what we know about transactions and coaching changes and whatnot, you know, I said this could be a really fun three three horse race, and then somebody. I talked to, and then some things else I listened to really talked me into Detroit having a chance to be sneaky good. So this is this is a, a mess. This is a disaster. I don't even know at the end of this podcast if we'll have come to any sort of agreement. 
even with our own minds as far as how these teams actually will finish. I'm going to do my best. And I I did, I talked to someone earlier. I did a little video with someone for a a Vikings preview. And I think you kind of got to lay some of these out. Like if this is, this is the biggest factor that will determine, like we're very unsure on what will happen, but this X, whatever you want to call it is going to be the biggest factor on whether this team rises to the top or falls back to the middle or bottom. And some of that stuff is, you know, you are able to see some of that in the preseason, if not maybe, you know, early on in the season. When you do bet futures, you don't have to bet them early. Like, you know what, we all say getting the best of the number, getting the best of the numbers may be a bad way to phrase it. Market entry point is maybe a better way to say it because you're getting the best of the number and being dead wrong, just uh, grabbing an early number to grab an early number because, you know, there's going to be steam on it. So, right. some, sometimes that doesn't work out if, if you don't have all the information and you're just you're following a hype train or the hype train follows you. So sometimes it's good to say, and I'm going to get to this with one of the teams, saying if this occurs and I see it occurring, I will be willing to back this team. And, you know, future prices aren't going to swing crazily off of one week. They will move. Some will move, but I think there's still going to be value in some spots on a few things. So without further ado. I fully agree with all that, by the way. And I think you could even point to this. You could point to this division as an example. Uh, There has been huge market movement on what? Mitchell Trubisky MVP has shortened more than any other number in the MVP market. And I got to tell you what, man. Even knowing that now, I don't think I would go back in time and make that bet. Uh, I don't think he has a chance. I, but, uh, you know, but that said, uh, so much of the Bears' future and so much of this division race comes down to um, you know, his progression, his development from the season. And he's got 16 games to figure it out. So uh, you want to get uh, – I guess, you know what? Here's, here's what would be fun. You know what would be fun? Uh, last year, it was a lot of the same. Right, like it really was not clear and obvious uh, who was going to win this division. And rather than it being a three-team race, it was by the bookmakers, by the market. Everyone agreed it was a two-team race. It was the Packers with the healthy Aaron Rodgers coming back versus the Vikings with an all-universe defense taking the field and a new quarterback in Kirk Cousins injected into the fold. And it was literally like you could, you know, you look at the the market made the the closing number before the season started on the Vikings when the Super Bowl was 10 to 1. They were the third uh, shortest number. The Packers were 12 to yeah. 1, fourth shortest Whoops. number. <laughs> both both teams both teams had win totals of 10, both juiced to the over. Like literally people couldn't get to the window fast enough to back Packers because they thought Aaron Rodgers was god or Vikings because they thought that defense was unbeatable, right? That was the story. That was the name of the game. We did our previews. I talked myself into the Vikings on the back of, I felt like their defense hat was so deep and so dynamic. There was no way that uh, any, you know, that they were going to take a big enough step backwards offensively, not to win 10 games, not to make the playoffs. Like I felt pretty good about that. And I was like, defense wins championships, get that team to the playoffs. And they are going to be a nightmare to deal with defensively. That was my position, and boy, was I not correct. Um, the Packers, I didn't have great feeling for them. We were kind of 
wary on them. You know, and by the way, correct me if, if I'm misstating any of our recaps from last year, because I'm going from memory. I did not go back and listen to the stuff we recorded. I don't I think anybody's going to go back and listen and call I don't think out. anyone. Yeah, so. no, no. But, but, but I'm, this I'm is, it's close. You remember something differently. I mean, I can, so, I can yeah. tell you what, what futures I had, and you're not far off so far. Yeah, and so we we talked about the Packers. We were like, yeah, no doubt. If uh, Aaron Rodgers is is the top two quarterback, and, he, and Aaron Rodgers, by the way, was the clear favorite in the MVP market last season, and it was not close. Like he was like out like four or five to one. It was crazy uh, how many people were super sure Aaron Rodgers was going to win MVP last year, and uh, you know the season went sideways on him with the knee injuries sustained week one against the bears. But, um, you know, besides that he performed poorly in general and the Packers offense performed poorly and they got Mike McCarthy fired. Um, but you know, we, we talked in the, do you remember the game? Yeah. That Mike McCarthy got fired. Uh, they lost to the, they lost to uh, the Lions? lions. No. Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals. They lost oh, to the Cardinals. Oh, oh, oh. oh yes. That's, that's how you get fired. Right. You lose to Steve Wilkes, who did not deserve a head coaching job at that time in his life. Um, okay. So we you know, and we talked about the the Packers. We gave them due consideration. And we decided, okay, well, market entry, which you brought up at the beginning of this podcast, was the name of the game for us talking about the Packers, because we were like, look at the middle of their season. They have a five-game stretch that is a total freaking nightmare. Five, four road games that were just hell. Uh, you know, they had to go to the Vikings, they had to go to the Packers, they had to go to the uh, Patriots, they had to go to Seattle, like, all across, back and forth across the country. Tons of primetime games. It was horrible. And so we were like, okay, well, if they can kind of come out of that stretch two and three, or three and two, or four and one, then let's buy in then. Uh, it turned out that their season all fell apart kind of in the midst of all of that. And, um, yeah, it all went to hell. Mike McCarthy fired Packers, uh, did not have a chance. Um, Lions. I mean, it just, it just goes to show. Yeah. What was our temperature on Lions? We were so, so, but we, we were a little checked out. We just didn't know what to expect from Patricia. We were thinking more. I guess we were kind of right. We were kind of expecting defense and run oriented and that's what happened. Obviously, that started really ugly with the Jets game, and it it just never kind of it never really got uh, got legs. The season didn't really get legs. His whole system, his whole philosophy, they ended up. I mean, we'll get into that. They they fired a coordinator too. Yeah, right. And I then think, the Bears. Do we have you had the Bears, every right? team? Yeah. <laughs> Bears fifty to one the Bears. win the NFC. Yep. I figured, yeah, squirrely team makes a makes a run at a wild card. If I can get them into a wild card game at fifty to one, I can extract some value. Maybe they end up doing way better than that. I had it at cash out book even. Like I could have taken. I think I could have taken some some decent. I think they're paying me about seven to one on my stake Ooh. at that point. If I wanted to just cash out before the Eagles game. And I said, no, we got one. So I was a victim of them doing too well and gaslighting me into thinking that they could win a playoff game with Mitch Trubisky, which we'll get into that. They almost did, man. They almost did. And we're going to get into the Bears in more detail in a second. But I just want to say, like, actually, no, let's go right now. Like, that was a good bet. You know, we talked about it in the preseason. We were like, you know what? Like, the Bears have a super soft openings to their season last year. They had a lot of home games. They had a lot of advantage positions. Uh, you know, granted, they had the the Packers week one, which was tough. Um, but after that, it was like, well, they're going to get the 
They're going to get the Seahawks at home on the Seahawks second back-to-back travel spot week two, which is a great great spot for the Bears. And then they got a bunch of winnable games where they might be favored. And oh, uh, they made the Khalil Mack trade, which was like you know adding adding strength on strength. Like it, you know there was a lot to like about the Bears, but I still didn't really think preseason that they had a chance to win the NFC North. I thought for Lake U, I thought wild card. Um, and uh, yeah, you know what? Actually, we made the comparison Bears last year. We were like, this is like the Rams. Right, like they fired a worthless head coach in John Fox. They brought in a young offensive—not young necessarily, but like you know, an unproven but an offensive guru in Matt Nagy to pair with a young quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. Like this is like the Rams' secret recipe that they did when they brought in uh, McVay to pair with Goff after Goff looked so bad under Jeff Fisher. And you know, we talked about okay, yeah, maybe the the Bears were this year's Rams, right? And then as the season wore on and it got into the playoffs, it was like. Oh no, the Bears are this year's Jaguars, right? Like I remember thinking it and saying it on the podcast. Even like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> this is the, this is the Bears are this year's Jaguars because they are like competent quarterback play away from legitimately winning the Super Bowl. Uh, and how would you say their season unwound? There was a piece we forgot about, <laughs> and it was special teams. But uh, but clearly, like if they got uh, if they if they got, do, I, I guess. You know, the, they, they lost, they lose in the playoffs at home. Home playoff game loss is tough. Uh, losing to backup quarterback in Nick Foles and, and a bunch of backups on defense with the, with the uh, Eagles is, is tough. Um, losing the way they did is even grosser uh, with the double doink from Cody Parkey. Um, what, what, uh, but, but kind of bigger, bigger than that, what grade do you give Mitch, Mitch Trubisky for his, give me two grades for him. His 2018 performance overall as quarterback and his performance specifically in the playoffs in his first ever playoff game. Playoff game was a little rough, and it, it wasn't like it was all his fault, but uh, I'm giving him a solid B minus. I mean, he this is a guy who didn't play much in college. Like, he it was a weird pick, and I, I was behind it, I didn't mind it. It's still, I still think he has some some learning to do. I still think he can be a, a decent quarterback. It's one of those where, well, this will be a really telling year as far as what kind of what kind of leap can he make this year. It's, uh, I guess it's nice, a little continuity. This is, yeah, this is the only team here in the division that doesn't have some sort. Well, I guess they got a, a new defensive coordinator because they they didn't fire anyone at least. They lost someone to a hiring. True, but. Uh, Let's put a pin in the defense you would, for now. You would say you got yeah. na- you got Nagy, yeah, yeah, no. But as far as he's got some continuity there, uh, unlike some of these other teams here, we're going to talk about Nagy, an Andy Reid guide, Helfrich, Oregon. You you would think we'd see a little more explosive offense, but I think this is maybe not uh, not the guy to do it with. I think a lot of people are are down on him as like a deep passer, as an accurate passer. But I, I don't have all the stats here. But he did he did perform better in 2018 than he did in 2017. He took a step forward, and that's all you can ask, I guess. You know, you're not going to take. Not everyone's got it in him to do one of those leaps and bounds. You know, like the Jared Goff step forward. I guess uh, Deshaun Watson, his second year. I don't even want to put Mahomes in the conversation. He didn't really play. And then, I mean, super outlier 
season, which we'll find out. Maybe not an outlier. Maybe he does that every year. We're going to find out a lot of these second-year guys, but I'm going to put Trubisky kind of in the same boat as, like, uh, you know, Mayf- Mayfield, Darnold, uh, yeah, that whole, that whole division we talked about, all those second-year guys. It's kind of like a, another second year for him. So I want to see him with this coaching staff, this game plan going forward. This will be really telling whether he's – and I, hopefully they see this too as, a, as an organization if you're the Bears. This will be really telling. It's like, is this the guy for the future or do we need to start looking elsewhere because he's hit a ceiling, we're capped out, and we're, we're running short on time. They, this might be it, man. Some of those contracts, you see what, uh, you see what they got to pay? What's his face? Dak. Khalil Mack in 2020. Oh, yeah, Mack. Yes, 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 it's yes, yes. Mack, yeah. he is due to make so much money in 2020. Their cap, their cap situation is super F. So it might be – maybe it might be good if Trubisky's not that great and they don't have to do some huge quarterback contract coming up. But I give him like a C plus, B minus. I thought he did well in the, in the situation he was given. Obviously, the defense carried him. They had – Turnover luck was kind of on their side. They had it's hard to it's hard to really quantify some of this, but it seemed like turnovers were at the right time. <laughs> they had fortuitous turnover timing, and then yeah, special team was a special team is a whole different thing. That's why they went and got Cordero Patterson. <laughs> Keegan kick field goal. Choking. Yeah, he's a oh man. Yeah, the, the kicking, whatever, but Cordero Patterson joking aside about everything else. Like he's a good returner. He yeah, shouldn't true. probably be a probably shouldn't be on the field for a lot of wide receiver snaps. He's no Devin Hester. Oh God, I used to hate that guy so much. <laughs> Watching as a as a young man, um, and they were analyt. You know, just from the analytics standpoint, they weren't they weren't dumb about it. They they played to their strengths and they they did some plus EV things. Uh, here what was it? They were one of the four teams. That had less than ten percent of their runs to come against an eight-man box, which we found out. It's so dumb. To, it's so dumb to have to say some of these things out loud. Like, hey, eight men is a lot of men in the box. In fact, it's more than seven, which is kind of the standard. So if there's more guys up front running into that, you can see. I mean, they're standing there. They're grown men. Eight of them to count. If there's that many, you shouldn't run. You should check out of that or do something. And teams still manage to continue to pound the ball into full to, to eight men boxes. So Bravo Chicago, you, you, you yeah, you did you did well there. No, Nagy's guard. Um, Nagy's good. Nagy is smart. I like Nagy. Yeah. Nagy is good. No, coach. I I, good I like I like Nagy, yeah. He could have a run in Chicago. You want to like hear another years. weird stat about the schedule? Uh yes, I do. Last year's schedule. Sure. Um I don't know. I don't know where we want to put the the Packers. They're throwing the Packers in this, and I don't know how we want to rate some of their last year. We'll talk about them down the podcast here. But four of their first five opponents uh, saw their coach get fired by the end of the year. <laughs> it's easy to get out. To, it's easy to get out to a, a hot start when you. Yeah, I mean, oh man! Card, Cardinals, Bucks, Dolphins, Packers. Like that's. Uh, I think Warren Sharp uh, had that in his preview. Like, that's yeah, great. But it, that makes it. That makes it sound like the schedule wasn't too tough, which it wasn't a super hard schedule. Um, and then also last year, they, they were one of the healthiest teams. They didn't get injured a lot. So if that regresses towards the middle, too, they can see uh, 
a regression. I think everybody's kind of on that regression train. You know, Trubisky's not super good. The defense can't play all world again. They're not going to have some of the the luck that they had last year. They overperformed their Pythag by a little bit, and then uh, I mean, what's your what's your thought on the regression? Like, is it is it automatically due, or can I the defense do it in. again if they can just do it? I think it's built into yeah, the number. It's a first place schedule. I think it's built into the number, though. I really do. I mean, you want to talk about their yes. win number right away? I mean, actually, yeah. I mean, I have a whole bunch of other angles I want to hit on the Bears. Yeah, bring it up. As well, just just go right for this. Um, yeah, no, I think that they absolutely did build build into the win number. La- last year, uh, they opened them at six and a half, and they got that up to seven and a half, and that was in, that was the one of the best, if not the best, over on the board. Uh, and this year, uh, what was they actually won? Um, twelve games. Uh, I I had their Pythag at twelve point two. I must I must be counting Pythag a different way than some of the other uh, ways to do it out there. But yeah, football outsiders has them a little lower. Yeah, like but either way, like they were they were an eleven win team, twelve win team in general. I didn't think a lot of their wins were lucky. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're talking about a two and a half uh, win adjustment from last year's performance to this year's opener. Uh, that's not crazy. Like that's a big adjustment like that. I know like 12 seemed like it was potentially an outlier uh, and they're not going to hang a 12, obviously. Um, but tw- two and a half wins is the most significant adjustment down on the opener of any team across the whole league. Um, so clearly, you know, the regression angles here that we're talking about, we're built into this expected nine and a half win total number. Uh, on top of that, it has taken a ton of money to the under, right? So this is kind of like the, you know, we don't, we don't advocate that books set traps, but like the books were expecting this. Uh, and they even, even still are getting a ton of um, money on the under. If you want to go bet under nine and a half right now, you're going to have to lay minus 170. Like that's nuts. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good point about the traps, though. Like, the, there's no such thing as a trap, but they do have a good feeling for where money's going to come, and they do set lines knowing that they're like just planning ahead. We're going to set it here. We're going to take some money and we're going to move it. Like the, that sort of stuff happens, and for sure, they had to set that where they had to set it, knowing they're probably going to take some under money anyway. Yeah, and. Um... So I, you know, I, I personally like yeah, the regression stuff. I do think is worth noting. Um, I do not think in any way, shape, or form, if you're strolling into this season expecting them to win our 11, 12 games, I think you're deluding yourself. Um, and I think that the wins total number, as it's right now, nine, nine and a half, is pretty sharp. Um, I think, uh, and, and you, you know, wanna, I, I, you want to hear something yeah, weird? Yeah, go ahead. The and just I'm just pulling the five dimes numbers obviously they're all over and you can find much sharper numbers at sharper books but as it sits right now vikings bears and packers they're you know they're their most evenly juiced numbers are all nine they're all flat nines with 110 on either side they have identically priced numbers those three teams right now so you know what your guess is as good as the markets that doesn't shock me at all i told i, we, I told you that exercise no, I did the season seven a little I did a season sim to yep. calculate, like uh, exp- you know, how off try to try to account for difficulty, ease of schedule, try to incorporate some randomness and stuff like that. 
Uh, and I got a 30-30-30 split across Green Bay, Chicago, and Minnesota uh, to win the NFC North. I do not have a clear and obvious um, horse to back in this one. Um, but, you know, I think when it comes to ceiling floor type of conversations, which we got to do now, uh, Chicago's wow. ceiling is pretty high, I got to say. Um the knowns. Yeah, that's that's the point the, I was going to get to. The knowns and the you've expecteds. Got, here yeah, you've got the win totals. Good. You know, I mean, like we, we okay. So, do they have a do they have a competent coach? You laid it out. Nagy is a competent offensive coach. That's the kind of coach you need um, to be able to do well in this league, especially in the regular season. Like he could have a run in Chicago like Andy Reid had in Philadelphia. I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if that's how it plays out for him there. Losing Vic Fangio, is it a big deal? Sure. And and actually, you know what? Let's again I, I wanna partition the discussion here, but they have weapons and pieces on the defensive side of the football that are utter absolute game changing, you know, blow up the type blow up the play, blow up a drive, flip the game on its head. Uh, type of players like that. Those are important players for, you know, impactful defensive performance. Um, so yeah, they've got, they've got a very um, balanced um, offense in terms of running and passing. Um, Mitch Trubisky runs effectively himself. We know that the value of quarterback running is non-trivial. Um, I like this young kid that they bring in for Howard uh, Montgomery. He out of Iowa state, he looks great. Um, and you know, they have a dynamic weapon in Tariq, Tariq Cohen in the passing game. That is that guy can absolutely, um, mask some of the issues in your passing game. Generally. Um, I don't love their receiving skill sets, especially, but, uh, you know, it's there. If you're going to have, um, <laughs> you know, if you're going to have one weakness, then that's fine. If your quarterback is Mr. Trubisky, I guess, which kind of leads me there. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, number one, I want to know specific. I have two important questions about Mitch for you. The first one is, uh, do you think the uh, the Bears would like a uh, take backsies on uh, picking Mitch second overall in that draft? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the spot they took him. Like, they, they got him now and whatever. If you ended up grabbing him mid to late first round, whatever. I mean, people have gotten a lot more brazen with quarterback picks than that, but where they took him in the draft. Yeah. That's, that was, that was gut gutty then. And it's gutty now. And yeah, I would do a takesy backsies. Uh, could have had, had, yeah. had Pat Mahomes. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, just not it. Yeah. I wasn't even, I wasn't even going to go there because it's so, could've it's had, so uncertain. Deshaun, what could add Deshaun Watson? Yeah. There literally were two, Surely, two surely two better quarterbacks in the draft than Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I think we would all be I mean, not, not even in hindsight. I know we would be floored if we looked up in five years and Trubisky was in the same conversation with Mahomes and Watson, right? What if, boy, what if Mahomes was on that team with that defense? It'd be good. They win the Super Bowl like ninety-eight <laughs> nothing. Well, I don't know, Mahomes. So much of Mahomes relies on. On, it's scheme. Uh, his Nagy. Scheme, we have a Nagy scheme. disciple no, here, or but, we have a re disciple. Uh, I was going to go farther and say it's talent, like the offensive talent, top to bottom, fits his skill set so perfectly in Kansas City. Like that's just a yeah, match, so match made in heaven. 
yeah so much speed around him yeah so but yeah no i mean I, okay so the, the reason i asked you the question about the takes backsies uh, and the fact that he was in the same draft class as mahomes and watson like it, that colors our perception a little bit of him right like we're and, and the fact that he's in the same division as aaron Rodgers, the fact that you know that uh you know the passing game is so front and center right now like yeah you're you made a really good point in the run-up of this we haven't seen him play a lot of football we really don't know if his development arc is going to continue to see him improve or if it's the you know, if he is what he is like it, you know he's with a good offensive mind maybe they can scheme him in a way that um you know that he does perform better this year from a passing standpoint maybe they raise him from a b minus to a b or a b plus but you know it, it, and b if that reality coalesces then this is a good team you know this is a good team top to bottom and they're an nfc contender um the other, second question i have for you that's and this is yeah oh, go ahead uh huge no, go ahead because I, I got an odds thing i want to talk about after that okay um huge question then uh what is going on with the media reports out of camp from the bears what is going on with the just the general drum that's being beaten from the beat reporters from the people who care about the bears from a you know media standpoint from the from the nationwide narratives that are being crafted right now about him not they're having to scale back the offense they're having to not push him like like this is really really negative feedback if you just scan the you know the general temperature across media space right now about trubisky like does that surprise you and do you think this is real no i don't i don't buy into much it's really tough to say you know what the media gets to watch and what they work on you know they're not in on the meetings i don't i don't trust a lot of what the media says in the preseason just because i mean just Go try to write some stories. Like, take the exercise. Go write a story about your favorite team and what they're doing in the preseason. Even if you go to camp and watch them, it's like, man, I gotta come up with something because today sucked. It was boring. Like, I think a ton. And just, I mean, just go look what Pro Football Talks putting out on the daily. Like, I love Pro Football Talk. I don't want to talk shit about what uh, Mike does over there or any of their articles. But I mean, every other article is just garbage fluff because there's not a ton to talk about outside of just like what we're doing is previewing the, the entire season. The preseason has tons of these narratives come out, and half of them are hot garbage. With, I mean, right, and with that said, you, you don't want to yeah. you don't want to totally discount it. Like, you know, listen to what people are saying, but use your own brains and think about like why would why would the team tell the media this first off yeah. hey guess what our our quarterback's a big dumb dumb and uh we're gonna be worse this year because he's he's too stupid and not skilled enough to run the offense i couldn't agree with you more and this even brings it into the next point which i was going to bring up is even if that's real even if trubisky gives us a c this year instead of b minus like nagy is a master game scriptsman he scripts the opening drives of the front of the first half and second half yeah. in a way that is just beautiful and it covers up a lot of words with your quarterback and it gives your defense a chance to play with the lead and play downhill like i, I honestly like defense regresses doesn't get as many turnovers i don't know that that matters like you have a, a coach and a scheme that i absolutely adore and i feel like that is what is going to win you or lose you games anyway uh, am I am I being 
um, my being obtuse here, not looking at the clear and obvious signs of regression. And, and you know, again, we talked about it. it's built into the damn number. Uh, what were the, well, what that, the that's odds? the thing. Like, oh, and I, I want to get into. I guess I want to get into some more of the odds when we get into the Vikings and Packers because it'll be fun to do some comparison there. But yeah, the the defense uh, regression maybe do, but I think there are some younger pieces even that that are gonna get better this year. I they didn't have a ton of turnover really on either sides. I mean, who who did they lose uh, defensively besides? Uh, Besides Amos, I mean, nobody, nobody really. Not guys that I would Callahan and Amos. Chip, yeah, I wouldn't consider those guys blue chip coverage cornerbacks. They were products no, of, I, of of a fantastic scheme and some great, absolutely great screen, dynamic play, play. Yeah, dynamic playmakers around them. Honestly, yeah. my, are my we allowed to finally? Are we allowed to finally flip to the defense? I think yeah. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. they brought they brought in a guy last year who I think was fantastic and I think is probably going to get even better on that defense named Roquan Smith. Yeah. You thought I was going to say Khalil Mack. <laughs> but um, just his looking at his numbers, this is something we found it on a couple times. Like everybody wanted to talk about Darius Leonard last year as far as a young linebacker, but Roquan Smith had better numbers and coverage. This is what great. you need in today's NFL. You need a really good cover linebacker. And maybe a guy like that isn't going to get the hype and all the accolades, but if you can get a guy that can move in space like him and his success rate when he was in coverage was pretty effing high for a guy his age, his experience level, I think that's only going to get better. And then just all the other pieces. I don't see the defense having some huge regression I guess it's it's a little sketchy when you do you do switch D coordinators, but I I like Pagano too. I'm I'm not super scared of what's happening there. Yeah, yeah. I think and, it's and pretty, I mean they yeah. brought in I don't I don't think Clinton Dix is like <sighs> Clinton Dix is decent, and then yeah. Buster Buster Screen Buster Screen. Uh, okay, so screen. so and you know we got to caveat all this with. How much does defense really matter anyway? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's it's it has to for them. It Their has offense to for, will score thirty points. Yeah, I know, I know. But like, if even if they take a step backwards, they're still going to be damn freaking good. And I don't, you know, I mean, I think much more of it boils down to uh, development and and the continued progression for Mitch. Um, the schedule. On the other hand, of all the things that I think are kind of hand-wringing, are kind of narrative-driven, are kind of silly, the schedule is not one of those things at all. Uh, and they have a first-place schedule. You brought it up. Um, and yeah, damn right. have you kind of done a little bit of a deep dive on this thing? Yeah, it's not great. There's some weird spots. They got to go to the UK before they're by, which screws up the first part of their bias are traveling back. They, I mean, we talked about this little, I think in the, in the schedule episode, but coming off the bye to face the saints, the chargers, and then going to Philly, that sucks. Oh, I mean, man, an early, early, the early season spot, even with Washington and Oakland before the bye first five games, they got green Bay, 
up to Denver and then at or home versus Minnesota. You got two of your division rivals. You're getting the home games out of the way, which means late in the season, and this is the worst part to me, even worse than the UK thing or the coming off the bye, the last three games are at Lambeau in December, home versus Kansas City, and then going to Minnesota and like yeah, I said, all murders, three bro. of these teams are all three of these teams are lined right around nine wins. You know, we've talked about how Dallas those aren't super 14. predictive enough. Well, yeah, da- if Dallas gets their shit together and doesn't get bit by the same regression bug that we're worried about with Chicago, but yeah, the last four the last four games could be tough. At Green Bay, home versus Kansas City at Minnesota. That's a super shitty way to try to defend your NFC North title. I think uh, I think there could be some problems just based on that. At the Rams, at Philly, <laughs> going to you know the the Oakland game, taking taking a shitty team that you have to play and throwing a really big monkey wrench in it by having to travel, which I guess I wasn't super I wasn't super high on anything that uh, John Gruden said about him traveling to the UK when they did it before. I oh, think I that one might that. be a gimme as it is. Dude, that one might be that, that one might be Chicago laying ten there. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's Chicago flying to the UK instead of Chicago flying to Oakland, so it's not like that much different of a trip, I guess. Like four yes, hours. No, that was to going to be a, that was going to be an away game. Yeah. So okay, so let's let's talk about some of the ones you pointed out. They're they have some tough spots. The last four the last four weeks of the season look really really tough. Uh, I completely agree with you there. Um, I will note that their disadvantaged spots on here, their week three at Washington where they're on back-to-backs and their week 12 against the Giants where they're playing them coming off the bus. The skins and the Giants stink. Um, I don't think we're really thinking about those as potential. They could lose those games. I think they just won't cover those games. Right. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, even though their schedule has some pretty clear losses on it, in my opinion, um, I would point to at Philly. I would point to at Rams. I would point to those late that late season stretch. Like I, I still don't see, you know, more than what seven on here. Really, to be honest with you, I think this is a nine and seven team. I think their variance is pretty narrow. I think they have a, a long tail on the high side if Mitch Trubisky takes a significant step forward. Um, and I'm not ready to write them off uh, as kind of clear and obvious candidates for regression because. I like Nagy. I like their offense and I, you know, their offensive approach. And I think they have dynamic playmakers on both sides of the ball. So, you know, I think I, I, I guess I would, it would be convenient. It would be, um, it would be helpful if we could just throw one of these three teams out and say, well, they're regression candidates. Therefore we can focus on these other two, but it can't be the bears in my opinion. Yeah. That's uh, I think we kind of in agreement here. I guess just maybe because I feel I feel a little bit of a connection with them because I sat on a ticket all year and it was really you know I didn't make a damn dime off that ticket. It was mostly just good feelings and warm fuzzies that it gave me. But it was really fun to hold a Chicago ticket from like February, and I mean. I, I was lucky they did the Khalil Mack thing. That obviously made them a better team, but it was awesome to get in that early and watch them do well. So I want to see Nagy and Trubisky succeed. I want to see this defense do that, do the same thing again. Obviously, we found defense isn't super predictive, and maybe it doesn't matter as much in today's NFL, but I still really enjoy watching a team just 
shut a team down and completely frustrate them with their defense. I, I still I still like that once in a while. Yeah, so do I. So it's good for the uh, it's good for the shape of the league to have different ways of doing things. I like it. Um, so let's move down the ladder here and talk about the Vikings, who finished second last year. And in particular, a nice jumping off point here from the Bears to the Vikings is uh, the Bears handed the Vikings their lunch last year. Like, they took their lunch money. They kicked them hard. They kicked them out of the playoff race. Uh, Very reasonably, uh, it's very reasonable to conclude if the Bears had packed it in Week 17 and let the Vikings win that game and let them into the sixth seed, that the Bears would have hosted them in Soldier Field instead of the Eagles, and they probably would have gone on to the next round of the playoffs. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Like, that was a fuck-up. They should have just let him win. <laughs> the strategic fuck-up to, to win a division game against a hated rival. They would, have absolutely, they would have absolutely curb-stomped Minnesota. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and everybody said it, and obviously – you know, the people I know around here, the big Vikings fans, they were like, oh, they're just going to let us. Like, they had a lot of hope. There was a lot of hope in, in the land of 10,000 lakes that they were just going to start their backups. And the Vikings were going to win and get in. But you talk about the, you know, the Bears kicking us out of the playoffs. Oh, that whoever the dipshit was, I got to think of his name now, the kicker. The kicker kicked us out of the playoffs. Us, listen to me. I'm I'm already in Minnesota <laughs> mode now. I'm saying we and us. I gotta get out of it. Which I, kicker? I'm so Dan biased Bailey right or now. Cody Daniel, Daniel, Dan, no, Daniel Carlson. Oh, we okay. were we. God damn it. We were we. <laughs> I'm just gonna say we. I don't even care. My Minnesota Vikings were at like the 20 yard line, probably inside of it, in that overtime game against Green Bay, and. They were just going to line up and kick the field goal, win it, get out of there. God-awful kick. Doesn't miss as badly. Uh, maybe it wasn't even as badly as in my memory, but in my memory it went, like, completely sideways, like, and straight up. It was so bad because it was an easy kick, and then they end up with that tie. That tie would have actually, if, they, if they'd have made that a win instead of a tie, they would have got in over – the Eagles, I think the way it would have hashed out, they wouldn't even have needed that game 17 win against the Bears because they did beat the Eagles head-to-head, and that would have taken care of any tiebreakers as it was. So, I mean, it's hard to pin one thing on what went wrong last year because, I mean, this was a team that won, what, 13 games two years ago with freaking Case Keenum? I think that's where where all of the – him, us included, we're just as guilty. There was some super high expectations, and obviously, <laughs> just some of the play calling, some of the way the the chips bounced. It just, it went the way it did, and they, you know what, winning season though, eight seven and one, good job, Minnesota. <laughs> eight seven and one instead of nine and seven because of the curse. The curse of Blair Walsh still hangs over your franchise. Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, the kicking situation, and I, I don't even want to say like, oh, it's so hard to get a kick. Boy, this is this is a this is a problem across the league now. So yeah, it is. We had a kicker kickers were bad. Retired the. Yeah, he, he retired oh, in shame. Kickers are just bad in general. Yeah, so I'm te- okay. I got a four year old. I'm teaching him to kick already. <laughs> I'm gonna get rich. Why having him throw games? Um, okay, 
so oh, the uh, God, <laughs> you gotta make him a long, oh, and here's, long, here's, long snapper. Here's, you gotta make him a long snapper oh, long if you want to throw snapper. games. That's that's the secret. Anyway, good. That is the secret. And then this is this is where I wanted to get to with the odds. I brought up the Bears, the Vikings, the Packers, identical to the price point and the win, regular season win totals, yet the Bears are about 15 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. The Packers are 20 to 1, and the Vikings are 25 to 1. No, Vikings uh, easy. Throwing yeah. out the yeah, throwing throwing out the fat. Well, and I, I don't want to just say who would you take, but I want you to talk about the market reasoning, not not just because it's a, I mean, it's a lot of it is. It's an independent market. Those are a completely independent market. They have different liabilities. But if you want to talk about that, you got three teams with identical win totals in the same division, and we have not wildly different, but fairly different uh, odds to win the Super Bowl on all three of them. I think it's because defense wins championships, Andy, <laughs> and the Bears yep. have the best that defense. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and quarterbacks, if not defense, and and the uh, and the the Packers have the next best quarterback. No, but in 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 uh, to be just to be less uh, facetious, uh, I think that reflects kind of fan sentiment, pretty pretty uh, you know pretty clearly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I think the Bears fans are excited. Uh, I think they have flooded the market with cash on their team uh, and have shortened that number beyond any hope of there being any value. Uh, sort of similar story with the Packers and people sleeping on the Vikings. I think that's a fair way to look at those three numbers. Um, and, you know, the Vikings are, they're tough to see as a realistic Super Bowl contender with Cousins, I have to tell you. And it comes down to a pretty clear difficulty for Kirk Cousins to win the big game against a winning team. Against a core, another you know a competitive a quarterback who can put up points on the other side of the field, uh, Cousins has not really shown us an ability to do that to this point in his career, either with the Redskins or last year with the Vikings. And to a lot of people who are kind of you know people, the players are who they are. This is guys. This is in part of his DNA. Uh, they are going to have to be. They're going to have to see it to believe it that Kirk Cousins can beat top tier NFL teams head to head. Do you get any sense of that? Have you thought through that? Do you think that that is total nonsense? My the analytical part of my head wants to say that's nonsense, and it's just been those are tougher games, and he's fallen short quite a few times. Maybe he's just not that good. But missing the spread, but, I mean, missing the closing spread I mean, on those Yeah, games, I know. Those, I is, know. Is, That's the thing. Like, Hopefully there's regression, I guess, if you're, <laughs> if you're betting on Minnesota, if you're a Minnesota fan. Yeah, I, I and I've talked a lot about just because I had some I had lunch last week with some friends, big fans, and now I did a video earlier today talking Vikings. So I've talked a lot of Vikings, and now it's now everything is just in my head. I'm I'm sure this team's going to win about three games now, but I think a lot of it's going to come down to. And this was the one I was talking to when we talked early about watching this team early in the season. I do believe you can you can glean a little bit from the preseason, but I really want to see it. When we actually get to regular season games, they open home versus Atlanta. I think it's the perfect matchup on our, you know, the home turf indoors. 
against and against another turf team too, watching to see what kind of offense they roll out. The offense in that first preseason game punted like two or three times total. Again, yeah, they were that good. was the backups and everything. So, yeah, the the play calling seemed well, okay, but I really want to see the weirdly they ran the ball well. Yeah, I mean it's going to be like a, a a zone a zone running scheme. Hopefully, the the new additions to the offensive line kind of are conducive to that. I would think a much better center would help with that. So hopefully that works out for him. But if if the play calling, the play sequencing looks like honestly, if it looks like not last year. I think they're a buy-on team, and that's what I'm saying. I don't see the uh, the best odds I found for the Vikings to win the Super Bowl were 28 to one. If they go out there, the offense looks really, really good. They beat the pants off Atlanta. It's not going to drop to like 10 to one or anything. I mean, there's not no, going to be a, an enormous reaction. There'll be some that move, but that one it might not move at all. So I think if if you see the offensive play calling improve, and hopefully that's what's going to come of the Stefanski deal. If Mike Zimmer just minds his own goddamn business and manages the defense and lets Mr. Stefanski use play action, use proper play sequencing, and use this offense. I mean, Kirk Cousins, whatever you want to say about him, he's an above-average quarterback. The top two, I'd say it's it's one of the top one-two punches at wide receiver. Kyle Rudolph is still a threat. They added another tight end through the draft. It's actually, I think he was like the most, uh, he holds the record for most touchdowns in a season by a tight end at, at Bama. He's, he's, he's no slouch. If you can, if you can use more 12 sets, get two decent tight ends out there like that. And then Delvin cook, they have a bunch of, of decent weapons on offense. If you can get that offense working even halfway to its potential, the defense should be able to hold up its end of the bargain. They feed off each other, and it should be a halfway decent team. It's a team that can win, you know, 9, 10, 11 games. There's the talents there. It's just whatever they decided to do there where Mike Zimmer got way too involved in the offense, said we need to establish the run, we need to be more balanced. Like It, it went to shit there. And I, I actually feel bad for Filippo. I think he was – it was probably similar to something I'm going to say later about the Lions. I don't know if it was the offensive coordinator's fault. I think it was uh, a defensive and old-school-minded head coach meddling in into the offense. Because I don't, I don't know how you screw up with, with these pieces on this offense. Those receivers got Case Keenum like a $17 million deal. I mean, you should you should be able to work something out with Thielen and Diggs. Yeah, you remember the Vikings go. Rams game? And they, last they year? added they added some nice pieces. Yes, yes, I do. They 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 looked amazing in that game. Like they looked like that 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 game was in LA. It was on a Thursday. It was punch for punch. I I, I watched that thinking this could be a you know a preview of our NFC title game at that time. Uh, the offense just completely yeah they had flashes from the offense. And was it was it entirely exactly. scheme and balance and kind of meddling that got it that got you there? Like it's like just a couple of small tweaks. Are we seeing that offense out there this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the the pick, the you know, the addition of Garrett Bradbury at center, you get to move Elf line over to guard, where it's probably more of a natural position. Uh, the tackles might still be a problem, but it, a little stronger offensive line, a little healthier. You got Delvin Cook back, completely healthy, and 
I think it's going to be a lot on Stefanski. I think this whole season's on the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Is he going yeah. to be a forward-thinking guy who's passing on early downs, who's running on second and shorts? Not into using boxes. The, the, yeah, not yeah, in the stack not, boxes. Not into boxes. Just using plus EV play sequencing and play calling with a pretty talented offense. Uh, yeah. Best receivers in the division. Not even close. Um, obviously, Aaron Rodgers is better, but I mean, they—if you want to look at pure yardage, the prop for Cousins' yardage is higher than right now than uh, Stafford. Of course, they don't think lightly of of Kirk Cousins. Like he—he he can throw the ball. He's a decent quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be elite, but he should be good enough with uh, with the weapons they have to get this team over the hump. And that said, if they if they revert back to some of the things they did last year. It could be it could be another really disappointing year for fans and betters. Why didn't the defense carry this team last year? I don't know. It's like the offense sucked, and then the defense. And it, I don't think they were that bad. It was. Yeah, uh, they weren't that bad. It's true, they weren't bad. They were. <sighs> they couldn't make the plays they needed to in that Rams game. Yeah, it sure. was. We we've talked about this too. If if you can actually say like third down stops or third down conversions for that part on the opposite side are predictive or or if it's a skill, I felt like there was a ton of that. Just that was a defense that could not get off the field on third down, and that uh, that's that's a good way to piss away a season. Hmm. Um, the they, they did have some they did have some weird stats as far as like the the turnover thing was a little rough. They only recovered four out of their fourteen offensive fumbles, and hopefully things like that regress a little. Okay, okay. A few th- a few All stats right. in the defense that uh, are hopeful, and, and actually it showed Zimmer was pretty aggressive, according to. Uh, this is great it's from Football Outsiders. He was much more aggressive. He was dead last in Football Outsiders aggressiveness index in 2017. Yeah, I mean that's and that's, that's that's which makes me wonder those. about these these one. Well, it makes me wonder about some of these stats that we we take into account. Like when a team is 13 and three, do they need to be aggressive when they're winning games? No, like you, going forward on fourth down, like it's gonna. It's gonna no, kind of you. You one want your best unit. You want to put your best unit back out there, and you want them to dictate the rest of the game in the defense. Um, exactly. But yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, honestly, like uh, we talked about how, or I, I, I posited that the Bears, I felt like, had a relatively narrow band of expected performance. I feel like the Vikings are a little different. Um, I feel like if they do kind of put a couple of pieces together, that thirteen and three type of team is is there. It's under the surface. It's waiting to come back. Uh, and at the same time, I feel like Zimmer can drive this car into a ditch. Uh, and this could be <laughs> it for him, right? Like, like he, could, he could take this thing hard in the wrong direction, and it could go sideways pretty poorly. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's cover the schedule real quick because it's, it's, there's some interesting things here. Very interesting, especially given that we are talking about very thin margins between bears bikes pack and last year kirk cousins it is noted played outside quite a lot especially later in the season and he stunk if you look at their schedule this year he stunk out loud 
you look at their schedule this year, you look towards the later half of their schedule, like say week 10 on at Dallas, nah, no big deal at Seattle. Well, that's a primetime game. So they probably will lose that one. Uh, and then at the chargers, um, that's not a lot of road, cold, nasty conditions to be dealing with there. Uh, and in fact, from week 11 on your home versus Denver, you get the late by your home versus Detroit, your home versus green Bay, your home versus Chicago. Like they get three, their three, Division home games are all in the last four weeks of the season, so their their um their destiny is kind of in their own hands, right? Like if they can if they can if they can defend home field in the last quarter of the season, they win this division. They might, yeah. Like you said, the the Green Bay and the Chicago games are in September, like that. It makes it a lot easier to go to the frozen tundra, and there's no bear weather in Chicago down by the lakes. So, and not only that, but the Giants too. It's much easier to go play in the Meadowlands early before it gets to be the the swirling winds in November. Um, I think you're right on that count. It's kind of the opposite of the Green Bay ending as far as how they they had, or rather, the Bears ending where they have to go Green Bay and Minnesota late. Minnesota gets those games at home. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's got looking at the Green Bay schedule too. They have a little of that, but uh, yeah, Detroit at home. The uh, Detroit is going to be off a Thursday night where they get a little extra rest. It does suck to play at Seattle. It doesn't matter if they're good or not. That's a super good home field advantage. But the Vikings are off a bye. They get a longer time to prep for that one. Um, yeah, God, great. The, the end great of the schedule. Situation. This is going to come right down to. It. It is. It so is. This is the hardest one to predict. It's no. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I do not think you can rule out the Vikings. Um, their ceiling is high. In fact, I, I don't think you can rule out the Vikings from the NFC title race. To be honest with you, uh, if they do put it together, they could be. You know, they could be in the conversation for a uh, for a buy. Uh, I really think so with the schedule that they have here. Very, very, very cool. You want to talk about the pack, the hated pack. Or were the wait were the pack third or were the Lions third? Pack right. The Packers were third. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I don't even think was it that close. Packers were nine, six. Nine, oh yeah, they were, no, it was it was. I forgot that the Lions won six games for some reason. I thought they did that much worse. Packers finished six nine and one. They had a tie. With Minnesota and Detroit <laughs> did finish six and ten. So this we had this conversation when we talked about worst to first. Because Green Bay had they had again had Minnesota made that like 35 yard fucking field goal. Green Bay would have been six and ten. Technically, they would have been tied for last. And then they could have been your then they would have been the most popular worst to first in that poll. But clearly we did not get that because they had a weird ass tie. And this is one when we talked to Mr. Chernoff last week. He was very, very high on Green Bay for a few reasons, which he, he I mean, he sold me on a few of those things. Um, the podcast is still smoking with those hot takes. He was really high on them. Um, okay. How are you feeling on them? You were sold? I bought into what I, I, I mean, I bought into some of it, but I did some other research too, which kind of scared me. And, real wishy-washy on all three of these teams as far as like what we think, you know, well, if X, Y, and Z happens, it'll be good. But um, 
Adam had a good point about how all the news coming out is how the coach and Rodgers aren't getting along, which probably isn't all that true. Again, I think it's the same thing as we talked about Chicago. It's just yeah, bullshit. it's just bullshit hype from the media. So yep. yeah, the, the defensive additions that Rashawn Gary they drafted fast linebacker from Michigan. They swiped Adrian Amos from the safety from Chi Town. Preston Smith, great pressure guy at outside linebacker. Darius Smith, another good edge guy. In fact, they used another four draft picks on defense. All these guys, their speed, their their I mean their their skill. I mean, Adrian Amos is good. Rashad Gary will be, I mean, we'll get to see that was IS draft pick. I like the guy. He still has to go out there and perform. But they got a lot of quick, good defenders. We again we talked about that again. The you need fast linebackers, you need coverage guys. It's a passing league. You need good corners, you need good safeties, and you need linebackers who can drop back in coverage. And not only that, but they got some good pressure guys here too. So I would agree with what Adam said. They added a lot of nice pieces on defense. And on the other side of the coin, they have probably a Hall of Fame quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is super good. I guess the, the negatives probably would be the schedule, not knowing what you're going to get from the coach, and uh, probably the receiving core, which Roger seems to find his way around that a little. But it's still, you, you can't always turn chicken shit into chicken salad. Sure enough. Sometimes you just don't have good players at the skill positions. And I mean, they're going to, uh, Devontae Adams, bona fide stud, but. Your other receiver is going to be Geronimo Allison and uh, the Exxon Valdez guy. Equanimous St. Brown. Uh, with, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Yeah, Mercedes. Jimmy Graham. No, forget Jimmy, about him. Forget about him. Jimmy Graham could be good. Could I, be good. good. I mean, no, no, every year. No, no, no. Not having it here. Um, he could play. Day. He'll play. No. Rogers is going to target him. Rogers doesn't throw to his tight ends because he doesn't want to risk those, the, you know, those uh, potential interceptions, especially a tight end in Jimmy Graham who cannot get separation from relatively slow linebackers. Jimmy Graham is going to be a non-factor. Um, okay. I think I'm getting a sense of what to do here. Uh, and I echo all of your sentiment me. there. I, I'm echoing all your sentiment there. It all makes sense. Like that, that is a very fair read. Okay. Um, I'm looking specific, and, and you know, granted, like, yeah, I do believe I, I, we, we, we did our rankings of top five quarterbacks. I know who they are. I have Rodgers in my top five. Do you as well? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. And just for those of you who are tallying, tallying at home, so far we've thrown Russell Wilson at the top five. We've thrown Andrew Luck into the top five. We've thrown Tom Brady into the top five. We have thrown, um. Aaron Rodgers now into the top five. So we have one more spot to dole out. And I think you know who it's going to go to, but we'll save that for a later podcast. Um, Probably the next podcast, actually. I think. That's a little teaser of who we're going to do on Monday. Um, Check my email. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so top five quarterback, best quarterback in uh, in the division, in my opinion. Most unknown, though, at head coach. I think you can expect... Matt LaFleur to make some mistakes. Uh, I do not think that he comes in on the fly and puts together a solid enough performance that he takes launch, that he vaults the Packers into the conversation of home field advantage. 
Okay. If the Packers are going to get it done this year, they're going to have to do it on the road, in my opinion. And I do not see a team with the experience and the, you know, kind of the veteran pieces around Rodgers to do it. Okay. That rules out the Packers from getting involved at all in a futures market, in my opinion. That 20 to 1 you mentioned, not, not interested. Okay. Looking at their schedule, it is front loaded with winning opportunities. Massively front loaded. Yes. They get a Thursday night home opener at Chicago. It's going to be a that's going to be um, a bloodbath. Like that is going to be a very very tightly contested game. I am looking forward to handicapping that one when we get to week one. After that, they get three in a row at home. They get Minnesota, Denver, and Philly all at Lambeau. They get extra rest after their Thursday night game against Philly before they have to go at Dallas. And then they get Detroit and Oakland at home. Oakland on the midst of just an absolute hellscape of a schedule. That <laughs> should be a relatively easy, easy winner. So what I just read off to you there was their first seven weeks of the season where they have five home games and one advantage road game. Okay? In that seven-game window there, what let's say that they you know, let's say that they reasonably lose two or three even. But, but two, I think, seems reasonable, right? If they are five and two, five, five and two is reasonable. Five, if they are five and two, if they have wins against Minnesota at home, if they have, if they beat Dallas, if they beat Philly, you know, if they if they beat Chicago on the road, good God, God help yourself. You are going to get if you are at a sports book, and a Green Bay starts out two and zero with wins at Chicago and home versus Mini, you are going to get trampled to death. People running to the window to bet Minnesota, to bet uh, Green Bay futures. I mean, like it is going to be a bedlam of people wanting to get money down on Green Bay, which means I think we can probably capture a little bit of market uh, softness right now betting Green Bay to win the NFC North. Okay, so bear with me. Green Bay now to win the NFC North, uh, and we hold that in our pocket, expecting them to get out to a hot start. Does that sound reasonable? I, I mean, I guess. And then I don't Minnesota. Think, uh... Minnesota, we I don't come think in that the, Chicago we, game is very easy. Minnesota, we come in on them late. We, we we let the market overreact Green Bay's hot start, and we come back on Minnesota before they get this nice, soft, down the home stretch. All you know, controlling their own destiny. Detroit, Green Bay, Chicago, all at home the last three weeks of the season. We just we hold off and we bet uh, Minnesota later in the season. That way, we get best best number by far I, on uh, Minnesota. We set the trap, and then we catch the mice. And <laughs> Chicago wins fifteen. And then Chicago wins fifteen games. Well, Chicago. No, you didn't. No, even I, let me get I like. To my I like what you're doing. And you didn't even let me get to my Chicago. Oh. oh, oh. What do we say about Chicago? Well, lay it on they me. got. They got at Green Bay week fifteen. They got at Minnesota week seventeen. Those will be single game spots where they will be dogs. Late in the season, hedging out, hedging betting, out opportunities. Chicago's ahead. In yeah. order, in order. First Green Bay, then Minnesota. You get them to cover those two games, but not win. Uh, you, we are middling the bejesus out of all this stuff. One of these years, one of these <laughs> things that we put, one of these plans put together, is going to come to fruition. This is the best. Uh, plan maybe I can it'll be make this here. year. I, no, I, I like it. I can. I, can make. I know. I can. 
I can buy it. Like I can see how this happening, and I guess we'll have to stick to it if it gets even close to this. Because I'm in full agreement on on Green Bay possibly having a hot start, and then you know Minnesota's schedule being laid out, like you said. But uh, yeah, best laid plans of mice and men. We'll see how that goes. And usually no. we come up with these ideas, and it's always on Green Bay for some reason. Dude, and then we'll find some down. random AFC. This is going to come down to the last two weeks of the season, man. It's going to come down to the last two weeks of the season. we got to spread out our our liability here. Uh, I feel like this is a perfect opportunity to try to corner a bunch of good numbers on these teams. I really do. I don't want to. I don't want to have to plan a flag now. Really, is what I'm getting at. I, I do think. I do think it's reasonable that the Green Bay number gets shorter between now and October, right? And so, getting some Green Bay yeah. in the queue somewhere, some way, makes sense to me. I don't want Green Bay. Uh, we and we'll circle back on this, and I'll make this point again. I don't want Green Bay to win the Super Bowl because even if they do win the NFC North, I don't think they're getting a buy. Uh, even if they. And if they're not in the, you know, if they, if they somehow are in the ten win discussion and they're in the conversation for a wild card, they're going to lose in the freaking playoffs as a wild card because they have their last two games at Minnesota, at Detroit, and it is utterly unheard of for a team to go uh, on the road at the end of the regular season, their last two regular season games, and then carry that into road game winning streak in the playoffs where you would have to win presumably three oh, yeah. road games in a row. Five. Forget. Forget five about five in a row. Then forget about it. Uh, you know the Aaron Rodgers. No, can, they don't go. They don't go two at the end. Green Bay does. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, they fin- do. They're Minnesota, Detroit. Road, road, road. Yeah, yeah they're on the road. Road. Yeah, five straight, five straight roadies, and then where's the Super Bowl this year? Not happening. I mean, no, Not happening. We... Tampa Bay. Oh yeah, Super Bowls in Tampa. Old Bay. NFC Central team. Yeah. <laughs> Tampa Bay, bad spot for Super Bowl. No offense to the people who live in Tampa Bay, but. Uh, uh, not not super excited to go travel there for for Raymond James Stadium, but whatever. Um, just a weird pick too, with all the other good new stadiums around there. But whatever. Maybe they were holding out hope that the Rams stadiums would be available, and it wasn't. But regardless, um, let's. Uh, okay, so that's. I that's got. I do have that. a stat on the schedule. Yeah, go ahead. It's like you said, and Warren Sharp kind of echoed the, echoed the same thing as far as the rested disadvantage. He said, over the final 11 games, Green Bay faces a one-on-one rest and a disadvantage in five and only has a rest advantage in one. Yes. So they play yes. the Lions yes. and Raiders yes. immediately after the they, – yeah, they have to play the Lions and Raiders immediately after those teams' buys. They face the Chiefs coming off their mini-buy Thursday night game and then the Bears off a mini-buy and the Lions on a short week. So See, now those the are rest not advantage good. for the Packers right. found that – those are not I mean, good those spots are, it's to bet them a little in those games. In. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah, right. Those are going to be like they're not going to cover no, those no. games. Oh, but no. I don't think those are automatic losses for sure. Those are not. Losses. Well, no, the, the Lions and Raiders, Raiders especially. Raiders but Raiders. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's, yeah, they're going to be a bad. That adds yeah, up. No, 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 no. This, this, this Packers. The way I see this painting picture being painted here. They are going to be the public momentum team out of the first four weeks of the season, and then they are going to struggle to cover spreads for the rest of the winter, fall and winter. I, I, that's that's this is going to there's going to be kind of some gross like oh my god am I really taking the seven points with the Raiders here? Like there's going to be a lot of those kind of moments uh, with this Packers schedule. Uh, but uh, actually, what do you think that what do you think that game is really going to be? Ten points, twelve, something like that. What do you think the Raiders? How many points? Eleven point five. Eleven point five. Eleven and a half. Yeah. Are we taking two touchdowns in that game if that gets inflated? 
probably, right? It's a long time. That's a long, <laughs> that's a long time, time away. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll okay. No, so, no, no, no. That's where we that's where we please. We we take the Green Bay pleaser from 13 and a half to 19 and a half. Put it in the open one we had earlier in the year. Now oh man. Um okay. Let me ask you. Let me. Let me. Uh, let me. We did not give a ton of a ton of attention or, or talking here to the Packers. If you want a more detailed breakdown, go check out Chernoff's podcast on the Packers. It was a great episode. Uh, just be a Absolutely. little bit. I, I. I think just take a cold shower right after, just so you don't do something irrational because he is very, very bullish on them. But oh, and, and he, even his for even sure. his take was. Even his yeah. take was basically, I want to bet them in game by game opportunities, which I was a little like, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the market is going to adjust to them quickly. Like, they're, 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 people cannot wait to back this team when they're good. Um, but all that is set aside. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. He for sure recorded that with his pants off. Like, he was so <laughs> excited about the package. That was, it was a good one, though. He made it a ton of good points. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers. Let's circle back and try to put a fine, final point on our heading into the season, uh, what is going on with them. The numbers do not bear out solid performance from him in any way you want to break down the metrics going back four or five seasons at this point. He looks numerically, if you didn't know the name or the number, and you just plucked off his uh, his value from a scatter plot or a blind plot, you would say average quarterback. I don't buy that 100%, but there's truth I have a reason. in there. What is the reason as far as you see it? I mean, just the evolution of the NFL, and it was a garbage-ash you know, retread of a West Coast offense that people aren't running with success anymore. Okay. So you they, think that they so, needed so, they so needed to move on and they did. So you're pointing the finger and at he's been Mark, Mike it's McCarthy. An injury. You're pointing the finger at unemployed Mike I, McCarthy. It's pretty easy to do. I mean, he's unemployed. Okay. Um, how about? I, I I mean I will say that I've seen some I've seen some stats where they compare like. Uh, I think football outsiders has like a strategic tendencies comparing the two. And it's super hard to do that because how do you compare two people's strategic tendencies when they're playing different games with different rosters against other teams that are different? Like yeah. it's really hard to say like, Oh, LaFleur did this. He did this, that, or the other thing down in Tennessee. Well, I know, but he had Mariota and not even every game that guy was made of glass and he, he had, different running backs and that offensive line obviously is completely different. So I don't know. I don't know if I want to just like extrapolate that information about Lafleur and apply it to 2019, but uh, from everything I've read, I'm hopeful that Lafleur will be able to, I mean, it's just like the Vikings and the receivers. If you can't take advantage of having an Aaron Rodgers on your team, maybe you shouldn't be coaching offense. Yeah. Very true. Um, okay, so, cars. so let's talk though a little bit more about Rogers because I, I'm with you. I, I think a little bit of this this is death by a thousand cuts. Um, receiving weapons not as good. Um, offensive coordinator, offensive scheme not good. Um, just team in general not a very competitive team. You know, defense was really poor. Um, injuries were plentiful. And that's not necessarily something you would hang on him as a guy who's injury prone. He was kind of weird, bad luck ones. 
but he does bear blame for two things. And I don't know if this is something you can necessarily correct from a scheme standpoint. The first is he checks out of a certain place. He does not like, you know, he has particularities about the way he likes a, a, you know, a, a, a play to be called or a, a play sequence to go. Would you agree with that? He doesn't like play action. We know that. He yeah. doesn't necessarily check in or out of runs at the right, um, you know, with, with, the, with the correct uh, reading of the defense, which is weird. But, do, you know, do you get the sense that those are limitations of his? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the play action thing alone—that's a limitation. Like yeah, you should uh, you should try to get over that. Okay, play action thing I think is a very interesting nugget to extrapolate. He doesn't like having his back to the defense. He doesn't like throwing certain rounds. He doesn't like taking chances. He has a wild, incredibly serious risk aversion. Related to, I don't know what, but he certainly seems to be very focused on what his touchdown-interception ratio is. He holds the most impressive number in the history of the NFL at this point in his career. I think he would like to retire with that best-ever number. I think that there is a very reasonable um, explanation for him being risk averse in that he does not like to throw interceptions because for whatever reason he cares about that that number. Why does that matter? Well, risk aversion helps you come back in games when you're trailing. You know, I mean, I mean, sorry, taking risks. You're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to throw against defenses that have more defensive backs on the field if you are trailing in games. Uh, you are going to have to take risks in you know in in throwing high percent you know in throwing the types of routes and the types of passes that will convert a third down instead of just chucking it far down the field and you know throwing up a coin flip type of pass uh, that may get you 20 yards or is, might go out of bounds like like those types of throws that he is more inclined to throw now than he was previously in his career I ascribe to he doesn't want to throw a pick and you know he's never going to be you know he's kind of missed his opportunity with the with the McCarthy with the injuries he's missed his opportunity to really be remembered or to take the throne from Brady as the greatest quarterback of his generation uh, and I think he has pivoted to okay well if not that then at least I'm going to be known for you know being a guy that never turned the ball over doesn't throw picks and you know has a high you know an, an amazing impossibly impressive touchdown to interception ratio. I don't think that changes this year, to be honest with you. I don't think there's anything LaFleur can do to make him take more risks, to tr to have them be more competitive in coin flippy type of games where they're trailing. And I think that's a huge limitation in terms of the ceiling of this team. Oh, that, I mean, to me, that felt like one of those preseason articles you read that I've been talking about. All fluff and no <laughs> substance? <laughs> no, no. No, and I'm just joking because I was mean. But uh, <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. I and I absolutely I buy into that to a point. But at the same time, maybe just the change of pace sparks something that he can play like he did when he was younger. He still has the skill set. He still has the physical tools. But I get what you're saying. Him being you know less risk averse or more risk averse. 
Uh, that's that's a tough to one to risk. like buy. If you if you think if you think he's that, I mean, you're basically saying he doesn't care about team wins. He doesn't care about uh, being a competitor. And I don't know if I can fully buy into that. And I think the the, the change at uh, coach and play caller possibly will spark something. This is another one. Like I just like I said with with Minnesota. Like if what you're saying, if there's even a glimpse of what you're saying and you're seeing him, you know, take the safer pass, throwing it short of the sticks and just not being the, not full Favre gunslinger, but not being the, the guy that's, you know, the uber competitor that wants to go back to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, then maybe we're not buying Packers stock partway in. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that at all. Well, if we're talking see, about buying it before. You know, what I laid out there, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't do that at all. What I'm talking you about know, only it, manifests it, when if, if we don't, that, yeah, if we don't see that and we see, you know, the competitive Rogers absolutely putting the team, the, the offense, at least on his back and trying to win, then I think, I think maybe we'd be a lot more happier with that preseason number. This is a, a wait and see team for me. I'm not, I'm not buying it at all early. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Even though the schedule sets up perfect. Well, I mean, for that. didn't you just kind of talk yourself? Didn't you? Didn't you kind of just completely blow up your reasoning to buy? I mean, the schedule is one thing, but if you don't think he's going to be, if he's just going to be a shell of himself, why are you investing preseason? Uh, well, because I think. Well, because I think, like, like I was saying, that, that that this only manifests when the going gets tough, right? When they're playing with a lead because they have advantage situations when they have, you know, all of these home games, when they have all, you know, this new, this new system that no one's seen before, that's going to catch people by surprise. They have all these defensive weapons who they've invested in on the other side of the ball to improve that, that unit. Like the going's going to be good for the Packers for the month of September and October. And then it's going to get tough in November, December. Uh, I'm just using this as my means of, con- of, of not, buying into the Super Bowl future, NFC future, really putting them on the same level that I would put other teams in terms of being a- NFC contenders. Like, I'm not buying into okay. the Bears either. I gotcha. I'm not buying into the Bears either because I don't think Mitch Trubisky has a ceiling that's high enough to make them true NFC contenders. I'm not buying into the... And I also, I don't think 11, 12, 13 wins for the Bears is reasonable or rational. I think they're a nine-win team through and through. Um, and, but, but at the same time, like the, the Vikings, I could see it, right? Like they, things could work out. They do have, you know, a higher ceiling in my opinion. And so I think, you know, the fact that they're 25 to one to win the Super Bowl and the, and the bears are 15 to one and the Packers are 21, like, yeah, give me some Vikings. Like, I think that that spells a valuable play. Um, although there's also some other great ways to tackle, the potential for the Vikings to get a top two seed in the futures market that we'll talk about with our, uh, with our next guest. Um, so we'll save that, uh, save yes. that discussion for a future podcast. Um, okay. That leaves the lowly lions who we have not given any attention to whatsoever throughout the duration of the discussion about what to do. I'm only giving them a 10% chance to win the NFC North. Um, and they are kind of the you know odd men out here just because they don't have as talented a roster as these other teams we're talking about. I don't 
believe in Patricia as a long-term answer at head coach. I don't love their offensive coordinator. They made a good move in moving on from uh, from Jim Bob Cooter, but I don't totally buy into this guy's approach as far as um, you know competing on the level with uh, these other teams who I think are more complete, less holes. Um, are we giving the Lions short shrift here, and do we think do we need to reconsider their potential for being frisky at least in getting their season wins over? What do you think? Oh, it goes back to like some of the stuff I said about Zimmer, Matt Patricia's just his whole philosophy: defense first, maybe running the ball. And what what do you expect? You got a, a Belichick disciple. He was a defense guy. What what, what did they expect when they hired him? I guess, but more defense, more running the ball, which. Uh, outside of Rodgers, I mean, Stafford's been a, a consistent guy when he's healthy. He's still a good quarterback. They cut back on deep throws. They cut down on first down throws. They pretty much regressed everywhere they don't want to in uh, as far as plus EV passing situations last year. And then they got rid of, you know, they got rid of Cooter, which was, <laughs> I. It's not, it's not like I love the guy, but I don't think it was all on him. It's like, it, you know, Patricia brings in his philosophy, his mindset. Tells Cooter, gives him this, gives the Cooter marching orders, and then fires him when shit doesn't work out because that sort of stuff is not going to work out. And then you know, if it, maybe they're running the ball a little too much, they're going too run heavy. What do you do when that's a problem? You bring in Daryl Bevel, who is just he's a he's a run first guy. So I don't know. I'm I'm checked out. Just because I'm looking at the schedule, God help them if they get surprised by, you know, the air raid offense having to go down to the desert. Can't you just see Arizona winning like four games, but Detroit being one of them, where they they just surprise? It, it's like the Wildcat game, right? except this time you know it's coming, and Detroit still can't stop it. So if they lose that Arizona game, which I'm just gonna give them a win, let's say they win it. They have the Chargers, the Eagles, Kansas City, Green Bay, and then Minnesota. So even if you win that Arizona game, but with you know the talent and the, the chances we're going to give them, man, they could go into that Giants game in Week Eight, one and six. I guess I'm saying, even though it's his second season, I'm not disinterested in maybe some Patricia first coach fired. Because that is a sucky ass schedule for a team. It does not look like it. I mean, it does not look like they're going to change their stripes. I think they have the second best receiving core in the division. I love Galladay. I love Jones. Amadola is just, he can still do it out of the slot. They drafted a good tight end from uh, Iowa. Uh, no, well, Iowa. I suppose they all. Yeah, every tight end they got drafted from Iowa. Iowa. And, yeah. yeah, and then Carry Carry on Johnson, not a bad receiving back if he you know healthy. So if they are going to be a run-first team and a defensive team with maybe less than the skill positions they need to even try to do that, maybe maybe it's a really rough start to the season. And, the, you know, I, I get some of the reasoning. People are high on them. Stafford's good. You know, we still don't know what Patricia and Bevel will have up their sleeve. To, yeah, Patricia's not an idiot. You know, if he might be able to <laughs> see through some of this and – and, you know, just say, like, uh, he takes that pencil out from behind his ear and, and decides, you know, a lot of stuff we did last year didn't work. Obviously, we were dead last in the division. We can't just 
pump our head against a wall and hope it works this year with essentially the same team. So he looks like the kind of guy. Maybe that does I can see against the wall, though. I know it. I know I'm trying to be positive here, but man, I mean, you see that schedule and then even there, then they, that doesn't even include, they still have their games at Chicago, at Minnesota. They got to play Dallas. They got to play Chicago twice after that early stretch. They got to go up to Denver in December. And then they have Green Bay at home late in the year when Green Bay might be playing for playoff positioning. It's not a great schedule for a team that, under eh, probably performed right how they were supposed to, and I don't know. I mean, sell me on that. I'm going to make you sell me on that. Sell me on <laughs> why this team, what what this team can change, has changed, or will change that gets them out of the, you know, gets them out five, of six, seven wins. Yeah. Oh man. Stafford. Sorry, can chuck sorry it. to do that to you. <laughs> yeah, Stafford um, can chuck it. Okay, so. Um... You, you know, we've talked about a lot of regular season win totals to this in this last month and a half, two months. We broke down pretty artfully, I felt like, the fact that if you add them all up, there are over 256 wins expected, which means that inherently there's value on unders. We've talked about how alternate totals have more value than people realize and that the unders especially so because of the potentially long tail where one injury can completely... Um, you know, derail your season. The Lions about a month ago were maybe one of three teams where I looked across the league and I was like, oh, they're being under, under, um, you know, underpriced. Like they're better than that. Uh, Stafford's better than that. He was hurt last year. He's going to be better this year. They have weapons. They're compl- they're balanced offensively. You know, like they've got some playmakers on defense. Like they can they can stop the run at least. But, you know, I mean, like I was definitely kind of talking myself into the Lions. I have hard pivoted on every bit of that, and it all comes down to that long tail situation where you have a quarterback now who has been dealing with some injuries that are spooky. And you have an offensive line that gave up nine sacks to a second unit in the preseason in the Patriots. Like, like in what universe have they completely allowed this unit of offensive linemen to disintegrate to this point is beyond me. And if you are expecting to do some sort of smash mouth running approach, Oh, by the way, what do we know? What did we learn from PFF Eric's piece today about how, you know, about what impact the offensive line has? Yeah, it's, you know, some of it's in the passing game, but most of it is in the running game. Offensive linemen do deserve an enormous amount of credit for successful running games. And if you have a poor offensive line, which the Lions have, then I have no idea how you are gaining uh, the yardage you need to on the ground to have this quote unquote smash mouth approach work. I just, it just looks problematic, which means you're going to be behind in a lot of games, which means the fact that Stafford can chuck it, he's going to have to, uh, and he's going to take some licks. He's going to take some shots. Teams with aggressive pass rushes in your division, like the Vikings and the Bears, are going to get clean looks at Stafford late in games when the Lions are trying to come back. The fact that Stafford makes it through this full slate and starts 16 games, I think is is uh, there's a non-trivial, non-zero chance that he does not start all 16 games this season on the basis of injury. All of this is leading me to lines are a good look alt-under. All of this is leading me to 
It's exactly what you laid out. This locker room looks ready to quit on Patricia already. Uh, if if things don't go well, they fall on their face. If they are clearly out of the race while the other three teams are are you know are putting together wins and jockeying for position at the top of this division. Stafford, I mean, uh, Patricia, first coach fired, could be the you know the best bet on the board at eighteen to one. I was shocked it was eighteen to one because he's on the hot seat as it is. That's the other half of the equation. Yeah, that's the other the other part of the equation being like the expectations. You got to look at the expectations and then how far short they can fall of them. And like I said, God help them if Arizona catches a napping and wins. If you're oh, in that one and all hole. If you're in a one and all hole heading to oh and one, one yeah. two, I mean, yeah. I mean, a bunch of teams that are minus money to make the playoffs or win their division, and then going to Green Bay, and then facing Minnesota, like that's that's a super bad. I mean, if, if that if that comes to fruition fully, and they go into that Giants game, or they they lose to Minnesota in Week Seven, and they're like one and six or zero oh and seven. That's where that ticket comes into play. That's where they just say this this experiment didn't work. Hiring a Belichick disciple isn't always going to work. It worked for Indy. I mean, it did work no. out for Indy because they <laughs> – Yeah, no, it did. Yeah, because they, they, that's how they got Frank Reich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, that's a very good point, man. Um, let's, so yeah, you, you brought it up first coach fired. You need the right recipe. Uh, there has to be an owner in place, which I think protects the likes of the, of the Bill O'Brien's and the, and the, uh, Matt Brables of the world, which is, you know, which is noteworthy, but you do, you know, like it generally, you need a team with high expectations that falls, you know, falls flat on their face. Uh, and the lines don't really qualify. So if you're telling me it's the lions, then it's because the team quit on him. It's because there's a locker room mutiny. We haven't had one of those in a couple of years. Who was the last locker room mutiny you remember? Bob McAdoo? McAdoo? Yeah, for no, for sure. That's where my mind went right away is when the, the whole locker room turned on him. Like, that was what's, rough. Yeah, I didn't like him, uh, but I felt bad. So if, 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 if we, we haven't seen a, a locker room, we haven't seen a mutiny in a while. Um, are we due for a mutiny? I know that's not a thing, but what, but I just want to make that joke. But but Power Rank, uh, are, who are the coaches uh, across this league that you think you know are likely to have a locker room mutiny on their hands? Who's number one? I mean, it's Patricia. Probably. Isn't it? I mean, Patricia. Patricia's up there. It's Maybe Patricia or Gruden. Little Gruden. Little Gruden. Jay Gruden. Yeah. I don't know what Washington is pretty messy right Oof. now. Oof. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new Washington coaches. I mean, really throughout the throughout the good, yeah, throughout the good coaches and the new coaches, and you're left with yeah, like you said, Bill O'Brien, but there's no GM there. You've got some problems. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of these teams like Sean McDermott. You got to give him benefit of the doubt. Uh, I see. I see. Just a lot of teams that are decent. Uh, I mean, maybe Dan Quinn if Arizona goes tits up again because I think they have high expectations. Somebody mentioned that today. That wasn't the worst take. Like uh, Atlanta, if, as long as we're just on first coach, if Atlanta just it doesn't work again with another offensive coordinator, Dan Quinn's ass is going to get hot in a hurry. 
Yeah. Same thing with Anthony Lynn. If the Chargers start charging, eventually you got to look at Anthony Lynn. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he could be a subject to the high expectations thing. But just like, just from the mutiny angle, if we're going to have an in-season firing, oh, yeah. if a team's going to quit on a coach, is there anyone that's higher on that power ranking than Matt Patricia? Any other team no, that you no, think not. might quit, might more likely to quit on their coach than him? I don't think so. So no, that's it's for sure. So here's your upside, Detroit. Maybe your team doesn't quit. Oh, <laughs> uh, I heard downtown Detroit's you know, having a nice revival, though. So that's good. Um, anyway, Detroit. I really wanted to be on their team total over, but I am going to pull the plug on that and stay away entirely. Uh, I think there's value in the 18 to one first coach fired on Matt Patricia. If you can find it out there and uh, yeah, in summary, NFC North um, of the teams we've talked about to this point, I think 25 to one is a nice value on Vikings to win the Super Bowl. Uh, And of the, of the strategies we laid out, uh, I think getting Green Bay to win the NFC North is the right play now, and we scoop up some Vikings to win the NFC North later on this season. Um, is that contradictory? Like, should I should we wait and grab Vikings once we, you know, not not take them now at twenty five to one, but wait? Well, that's what I said. Seek, you know, follow your plan. Confirmatory. Yeah, no, it's that, confirmatory that's, that's that the offensive doing. strategy is correct. I kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth there. Like I said, like that's the advice I'm giving, but I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't have a Vikings ticket already. It's just tradition. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had, every year, every year since I've had not, so you don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be the only bet you place on them to in this futures market. You can add to your stake. No, I can, no, I that's will. Allowed. I, allowed. I, th- I think I will. If I see what I, what I kind of uh, laid out there. If we see that sort of, you know, mindset from the offensive play calling, I think I'll definitely want to add on. So yeah, that's my plan. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, you going to a Vikings game this year? Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to the, we'll find out, Which one? find out if I'm truly cursed. It's the, it's the Raiders game. You're going to the Raiders game. What day is that? Yeah. Like oh, October or something. I don't know. I, I don't think it's too deep into the season. No, it's the third game, so it's September something. September something. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So that coming off the green, coming off the game in Green Bay, I'll be going to the third game of the season. If anybody out there remembers, I went to the Bills game last year where they <laughs> lost inexplicably <laughs> by like thirty points against the spread. So well, they were. Yeah, were they even favored? Ch- were they even favored in that game? They. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Only by like three scores. Yep, I we'll find out if I'm truly cursed. If they lose to Oakland, that'll be the last game I attend. Or I'll just start taking out the mortgage and taking honestly, at this point, I have to take an Oakland money line, just even for twenty bucks. Just to have the ticket for when it all goes all goes to hell. So Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I think okay. that puts it in the books. All right, man. Um my final prediction is the NFC North comes down to week 17, Minnesota hosting Chicago. Uh, and uh, we will have in our pockets and a, a nice five to one ish type of ticket on Minnesota that we scoop around Thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to middle that game 
uh, by taking uh, Chicago plus uh, four and a half or something like that. Um, with that, let us wrap up this fantastic podcast. That sounds like a plan. <laughs>